Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. It seems like in the summer, you work out all your issues from the previous school year. You know what I'm talking about? Like you kind of, you feel like you get into a right state of mind and then school starts in the fall and it's kind of okay and then Christmas comes and this is probably for most of you, unless you've got like a birthday or something, one of the absolute worst times of the year. This is, and statistically speaking, this is when people are, have their more, the cases of depression rise, uh, where people become anxious about things. It's just terrible because the, it's just terrible because it's, it's that time of the year where everything's gray, it's kind of cold, it's rainy, and I mean, and, and there's not much to do. So this is kind of the gray time of the year, and this can be kind of the depressing time of the year. And some of you just look back through this school year so far. Think about the friends that you entered the school year with. Do you still have those friends? Or have you lost some of those friends? Um, think, about, think about the person that you were dating at the beginning of the school year. Some of you are like, ew. Are you still dating that person? Probably not. Maybe some of you. Yeah. So, so think about all that's happened and all that can distract you, where are you, don't answer this question, but think about it, where are you academically right now? <laughs> where are you academically right now? Is life a little chaotic academically? I was one of those people that I lived like on the edge of my teach, every teacher's grace. Any of y'all like that? Like, like, like I was on the edge of my teacher's grace, and if I knew like the, the teacher would take my work a day late, you know what I'd do? I'd probably turn it in like two and a, or like a, a day and a half late, like like the morning after a day passed it was due, and be like, oh, you took it late last. You know, so so like and you, so you, I was I was always a hustler in school, like oh you know I, I was always like yeah you know, just trying to, I was like right on the edge of everybody's grace, and life can be chaotic and 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 it can be overwhelming, and what we're going to talk about tonight is how can we see God's smile in the middle of all that? I rented this fog machine. Um, because the people at Creative Audiovisual owed us a favor for all the money our church has spent with them. So um, I said, hey, can I borrow your uh, um, haze machine? And they were like, yeah, sure. So White and I set the smoke alarm off at 10 a.m. this morning with it, something like that, um, 11, p. 11 a.m. this morning. So we set the smoke alarm off, um, but we got, this, we got the room full of smoke because I think sometimes that's what our life is like. It's like, if you notice, this side of the room is a lot less smoke-free than this side of the room. I guess everybody on this side of the room are, you know, are the smokers, and this side are the people that breathe free. But, um, but have, you, have you noticed how, like, sometimes this morning, like, you're driving through the fog, and you can't see, like, five feet in front of you? Do any of y'all slow down for that, or do you just, like, keep going the same speed? I'm one of those people, I just keep going the same speed. I'm like, if it jumps out in front of me, it's going to be toast. Um, but... When I, I wanted to fog the room up real good because sometimes it's, this is what our life is like. There are times when we've seen God really clear. We know, what, you know, we know what it's like to be in Christ, and we know what it means to be a Christian, and we know how joyous it is and incredible it is. But then sometimes right about this time of year, our life starts to get really foggy, and we start missing out, and we can't see God. We can't see the smile of God because of the fog. So tonight, what I want to talk to you about doing this is the theme of our night, is what I want you to do is I want you to look up. Not like literally. Some of you are like, what does Matt have up there? You know me too well. But I don't have anything up there this time. Um, 
I don't have anything up there this time. But what I want you to do is I want you to look up. Sometimes we get so focused on what's going on around us, we forget about the God who's in control of it all. So two things tonight to think about. Um, first is, if you are a Christian tonight, and life is kind of foggy for you, and you haven't seen God smile for a while, what I want to encourage you to do is, is to look up and see God for who he is, and, re, and like re-remember, if that's a word, um, who you are in God, because it's really incredible. If you're not a Christian tonight, consider this to be like, I guess, <laughs> the sales pitch of Christianity, uh, because this literally tells you all the blessings that come with being a child of God. So if you're not a Christian, you came on a really good night too, because, because you're going to be able to see exactly what it means to have a life that is 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 is, is God's and is in Christ and in, in the life of someone who's saved. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. This is where we're going to look up. We're doing kind of, not a long passage, but it's, it's, it's a passage. It's like 11 verses. Um, but it's Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 3 through 14. And if you don't have your Bible, you can just follow along on the screens here. I'll have all the verses on the screens. But Starting in verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were put first, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included with Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until redemption, until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is a long passage. I mean, it took me like two minutes to read it. Would you believe you know, the Bible, we have it in English, but it was originally written in Greek in, in the first century, 2,000 years ago. When God inspired it to be written, all the people he inspired to write these, his words down, they wrote in Greek. That entire passage, verse 3 through 14 in Greek, is one long sentence. Has your teacher ever corrected you, like your English teacher, for writing a run-on sentence? That's like really long, and they're like, you need to shorten that into a couple sentences. Well, the, the way the Greek language works is you could write insanely long sentences, and it's still grammatically correct. So it's really hard. People, the, the smart people that have translated this, this is just kind of nerd, nerding out on you, but the people that have translated this from Greek to English that we're reading, they're like, that's way too long of a sentence for Americans to read. They don't have that attention span, right? Like, <laughs> can you imagine if I tried to read all that, and it was one sentence, no period? Like, it was just all, like, one sentence it'd be hard for us to process it. So I'm reading from the New International Version, the New International Translation. It has it broken down into 11 sentences. So that one sentence is broken down into 11 sentences. Um, if you have a King James Bible, um, it actually has it just broken down into two sentences. 
and they're, they're maybe two of the hardest sentences to read in the King James Bible just because they're so long. So depending on what version you have, it's probably broken into several sentences. Now you're all like counting the sentences, I know. But I say all that to say this. This whole passage was meant to be one thought. So we're going to slice and dice it up a little bit to see what's in here. But remember, this is all one thought. And if you read verse 3, it tells you what that like thought is. So I want to read verse 3 for you just so you kind of know. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So the main idea is that we praise God because he's blessed us. You can go to the next slide, Jake. We praise God because he's blessed us. So if we're going to break down this first verse, what we see first is, we see it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, you see Jesus Christ, you see Father, you also see spiritual blessing. So what we see here is, is, is the blessing that God gives us who believe in him. The blessing is that every, all three members of God's person, all three members of God's trinity are working in our life. God the Father gave us Jesus. Jesus gave us payment for sin. The Holy Spirit enables us. And that's what we're going to see in this passage here. What kind of blessing is it? Like a million dollars would be a blessing. Is that what God gives us? It says every blessing, right? That'd be pretty awesome. Like, God, give me my million dollars. It says every spiritual blessing in Christ. These blessings that he's talking about are much more eternal, long-lasting, better, and bigger than just getting a million dollars or getting a boyfriend or getting a girlfriend. For some of you, that would be nothing short of a miracle. But it, it sorry, maybe that was a little, <laughs> sorry, maybe that was a little harsh. Backtrack that, edit that out of the podcast. Um, but um, but the, these are spiritual blessings. It doesn't make them any less real. It just makes them better. So these are spiritual blessings, and it's not. It, it's it's not actually. When I say blessings, I shouldn't say blessing. It is a blessing. Look, it says, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This whole thing of God working in your life is one big, hairy blessing. So we've got to remember that. So where is the blessing? Like, can I just go and, and go, can I go to Target and get my blessing? Like, can I go to B-dubs and order my blessing in, a, in, in Chipotle barbecue? Like, like wh- where is this blessing? God, show me my blessing. Well, this blessing is in the heavenly realms. In other words, this blessing is going on in the kingdom of God in heaven. But what we're going to learn is it's not just somewhere far away from us. God's blessing us down here through that also. But remember, that blessing is in heaven. That's where God is on the throne. That's where Jesus is, and that's where you're going to live forever. So don't, don't, make it, don't, don't think that, oh, that's, I'm never going to see this, and this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with where you're going to spend eternity. It has everything to do with where the person lives who's ordering and directing everything on the earth. So that's where the blessing is. And the big thing, I've got it highlighted in red in my Bible, so that's why I have it like highlighted in red on the screen, is praise God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing is in who? Trump? No. Obama? No. In Christ. The best things don't come from the government. They don't come from a job you get. The best things come from Jesus. So that's, this is the thought this is the truth. So what I want to do is I want to unpack it, and we're going to talk about the three ways, the three people that are in one. It's hard for us to understand, but God is three people in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How those three persons of God are working together and have blessed us. 
I want this to be an encouragement to you. We're going to talk about faking it next week and, and, and hypocrisy in Christians, but I think some of you guys just need someone to encourage you this month, and this is my getting, up the, getting out the pump, and I want to bump you up tonight, okay? Okay, so let's look at the first, let's keep going through this verse, and we're going to keep breaking it down. The first thing I want you, remember, we're looking up. First thing I want you to look up to is a father who chose you. Think about this. Your parents didn't choose you, most of you. Maybe there's somebody in here who's adopted and your parents literally did choose you, but your parents didn't choose you. Maybe your parents, like, planned to have you, or maybe they didn't plan to have you. I don't want to know about that, and you probably don't want to know about that. But here, here, here's, here's, here's the point. Maybe your parents wanted to have a kid and they had a kid. They didn't get to choose whether you had straight hair or curly hair, did they? They didn't get to choose whether you'd be weird or normal. Although they probably think all of you are weird, but you know, but that's just what parents think, you know. But like, they didn't get to choose whether you would like sports or whether you'd be like one of those like super artistic y, um, you know, hipstery types. They didn't get to choose what your personality would be. They didn't get to choose whether you're a boy or a girl. They didn't get to choose certain things about you, <laughs> but they had you and they're stuck with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure your parents love you. I hope your parents love you. But there were things about Addison I didn't get to choose, right? I mean, I did want a girl with brown eyes, and I did get a girl with brown eyes. But, you know, there are maybe some things of her personality I wish I could tweak a little bit, but guess what? It is what it is. She's mine. You know, I can't do anything about it. Wouldn't give her away if I wanted to, by the way. But, you know, there are certain things maybe your parents wish they could change about you. Maybe there's some certain things you wish you could change about your parents. And you wish you could, maybe some of you actually wish you could choose different parents. But here, here's the point. Your parents didn't choose you. They didn't, maybe if your parents knew exactly, I'm not going to get too far into this because I don't want you to make you second guess your parents. But like, if your parents knew who you'd be right now, do you think they still would have decided to have a kid? That's an interesting question to think about later. But here's the thing. And this is what this verse tells us. This is what this verse tells us. Look what it says. It says in verse 4, he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his good pleasure and will. Before there was ever a star in the sky, before this little dust ball called earth was created, before the first wave ever hit the shore of the ocean, God knew that there would be a person named Matt McClay and that he'd be a big screw-up and mess up a lot and not turn his homework in on time and turn his back against him. But you know what God did? He still made me. Even though he knew the couple of good things about me and all the bad things about me, he knew exactly who I would be. He knew exactly what all my faults would be, but he still made me, and he still chose to make me his son. God knew everything about you before he ever created you. He knew exactly how you would be, how you would look, how you would act, the decisions you would make, yet he still chose to make you. That is, maybe it's not incredible to you. That is incredible to me. That blows my mind. It also says that he predestined us for adoption of sonship in love. So God did this out of love. It also, but this is also crazy to me, God didn't just create us like a robot he created us all like a little army of robots. 
Any of y'all play Army before, like when you were kids? Like an Army of Robots, you wind them up and you just watch them for entertainment purposes. God did not create us for entertainment purposes. He created us to be his sons and his daughters. This word for sons in the, in the Greek actually means like the legal heir, like a legal male, male heir. So God created us to be heirs, like recipients of all his goodness and all his riches and all his glory. He decided to do that even though, even though he knew that you would turn your back on him, even though he knew you'd be disobedient to your parents, even though he knew you'd look at porn online, he still made you because he loves you and he has a plan for you. And also, it says he made it in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. Did you know that when you bring glory to God and you choose God and you respond to God, you actually give God pleasure. You put a smile on his face. That's wild. How can someone like me, how can someone like you put a smile on the face of God? It's because we're his kids. Um, Addison is getting in. We have Addison now enrolled in ballet classes. And it's like the coolest thing ever. And we were trying on ballet dress. I mean, I wasn't trying on ballet dresses. <laughs> when I say we, I mean Addison <laughs> was trying on ballet dresses at Target. And, um, and I'll never forget when she walked out with that ballet dress on out of the dressing room. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life, seeing her in that beautiful little pink ballet dress with the little, um, I don't know what you call those things on the top, the little like sparkly things. She looked absolutely, you know, the, the only thing more beautiful I've ever seen was when April on our wedding day. It was just, it was beautiful. And she put a smile on my face. I didn't have to think, should I smile at this or not? Like, I saw her and I saw how beautiful she was and that she was doing what God created her to do and I just couldn't help but smile. You have the potential. This is amazing to me. You have the potential. I have the potential to put a smile on the face of God. Sometimes we forget that because we're so distracted by everything around us that we forgot to look up and see the fact that God is smiling on us. So we look up because we have a Father who chose us. The next reason we look up is because we have a Savior who bought us. Maybe you remember when you were a kid and you had a piggy bank. Any of y'all have a piggy bank? You'd say, no. Your parents just bought you everything you wanted. You had like a piggy bank or some form of, Anthony's with me, okay. Um, you had some sort of, like something you put your money in, right? Um, Addison has one, and it's getting pretty heavy. Think about, remember back when you would save up and you got your, some of you, you, for the first time you got your first job or, you know, you, you babysat and you earned money and you got that money. You know, when your parents were paying for everything, like you were always wanting to go to McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal. Like you're like, you were, you were spending your parents' money like, you know, like it was growing on trees. But when it's the money you earn, don't you hold on to it just a little bit tighter? You kind of decide what, what you want to spend your money on, what you is not worth spending your hard-earned money on. You know what I'm going to do? Okay. Just thought about that. So you, you, you spend your hard-earned, you, you don't want to just spend your hard-earned money on anything. You know, you don't just go into a gas station and buy ho-hos and ding-dongs for everyone, right? You know what ho-hos and ding-dongs are, right? So little snacks? Okay. Um, so you, you don't just spend your money on anything. You're very careful about, because that money you worked hard for, and it was, it's kind of precious to you because you put your blood, sweat, and tears into watching snotty-nosed, poopy-diapered kids for five hours. You're going you're gonna to be careful how you spend that money. Think about this. Think about this. God bought your 
life and bought your freedom and bought your salvation with the blood of his son. How precious is that blood? You know, we think the money we earn is precious. I mean, you can't put a price tag on the blood of Jesus. But what, is it, what does it say here? It says, in him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. You understand that God didn't just decide, okay, what's it going to take to get these stupid people off the hook? I'll pay that, and I'm not going to pay a penny more. What does it say about the love and the grace of God? It says that he lavished it on us. That means to give without concern of how much you're giving away. That would, that would be like me like just draining my bank account and getting it in all ones and just throwing it at you. Be like, I want to give you everything I got. That's what God did for us on Calvary. At, at, on the cross, when he died for us and he gave us Jesus, he didn't just give us like what it, just, just what, what he thought we deserved. He gave us what we didn't deserve. He lavished his grace on us. We good? Okay. Thank you, guys. Um, he lavished his grace on us. Jesus, and then if you keep reading, it says, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known unto us the mystery of his will in accordance to his good pleasure. Sometimes people wonder, what's God like? Is God a mean, angry old man? Because that's the way some people have portrayed him as. Like, is God all about the rules and is he all about like, like punishing people and judging people? What is God all about? What is God like? What does God look like? What does God act like? What's that mystery of God? Because if you go around the world, everybody's got some kind of spiritual belief. They, they have some kind of belief in God. Um, even atheists have a belief against God. So every, everybody's kind of got like this idea or they've got this picture of God. What is the true picture of God? What's the mystery of God? It says right here, it says, He made known unto us the mystery of His will in accordance to get His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. You want to know how God would react to a certain situation? Look how Jesus reacted to that situation. It also says that Jesus brings everything together. In verse 10 it says that Christ will put everything into effect when times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Jesus is the only one that has the power to turn, you know, when I say you look around and it's all foggy and you forget to look up, Jesus is the only one that actually has power to, to control all the things that we worry about, we think we can fix that we really can't fix. Look at the power it says Jesus has. This is free. You turn over to um, um, verse 19 and verse 20. It says that power, talking about Jesus' power, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand. That's a powerful um, metaphor. In the heavenly realms, fall, far above all rule and all, all authority, nobody trumps Jesus. <laughs> no pun intended. Nobody's more authoritative and in more power than Jesus. Dominion. The, the territory, Jesus owns it all. He doesn't just own part of it. And every name that's invoked, verse 22 says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So the things that are over our head that we stress out about, the things that are over our head are under his feet. There ain't nothing God can't control. There ain't nothing that Jesus can't control. So what's one thing we should look up to? We should look up at a Savior who bought you. God who lavished love on us, who gave us more than we deserved. And the final thing is God gives us, and, and being a Christian means, and, and you, that spiritual blessing means that you have a spirit. You have a spirit who helps you. It was really incredible, this verse 13. It says, when, um, 
you were also, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel, your salvation. So at that moment that you heard about Jesus, what he did, and you believed, you were included with Christ. And then it says, when you believed, you were also marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Back in the ancient world, when someone would mark something with their seal, you know what that meant? It meant this is mine and nobody better mess with it. It's kind of like, I don't know if you do this at your house. We had to do this at my house sometimes when I was a kid. Like, if you bought a particular food item, and you don't want, yeah, anybody, any of y'all have family who messes with your food item? And you get real territorial about your food item. You know, it's your Hot Pockets, your ice cubes, whatever it is. You get territorial about it. So you put a sign on there that says, you mess with my Hot Pockets? You're going to have to deal with Matt's size 11 foot, you know, like, <laughs> like you don't mess with my Hot Pockets. And I sign it, Matt, Matthew, Ryan, McClay. It's got my seal on it. And if you mess with my Hot Pockets, I'm going to mess you up. Back then, they would put, um, what people would do is everyone, this would be really cool. I think we should reinvent this. Um, everybody had a seal, and their personal seal would be like on their ring. So if you wanted to mark something with your seal, you'd get hot wax, you'd put it, you'd melt it on there, and then you would imprint your seal on it. I think that'd be pretty awesome to start doing again. I may come up with my own seal tomorrow. But what that seal meant is, I will mess you up if you mess with this. This says here that when you believe, you believe in Jesus and you believe in God, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, God, the Holy Spirit, God in spirit form, starts living inside you, and that's his seal. And you know what God is saying? He's saying, you better not mess with Blake. You mess with Blake, I'm going to mess you up, heavenly mess you up, because he's my child. I knew him before he was ever born, before I created this world. I knew him. I had his life planned out, and I sent my son to shed his blood so that his sins could be forgiven. You better not mess with my Blake. He's mine. You have a spirit who first seals you, gives you the protection of God, but it's more than that. It says who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That's like a God put a down payment on your eternal life. The fact that you have him living inside you. And you're not perfect, you're not doing everything right, but God is convicting you and saying, hey, you need to start living this way, and you need to start living this way. And he's making you desire things that you used to not desire until you got saved, until you met Jesus. He's making you desire those things. He's helping you. God is living inside you. Look up. Realize that. No matter how hard your, your year has been, no matter who has betrayed you and who's turned their back on you, look up and see what God is doing in your life. So those are the three things. And this is going to be on the app probably at 8 p.m. tonight. Um, we're going to run through these. But I just want you to think about these. Um, I was trying to think of some situations maybe that you would be in or some reasons that you would need to look up. I came up with a couple of them. We're just going to run through these. The first is when you're peachy. When everything's cool, when you're actually having a good day, thank God for those peaceful times because you know, right, they don't happen often and they don't last long. So if things are going well, keep looking up because you're going to need to look up in like 10 minutes. So if you're peachy, look up. Look up when you've been betrayed. Is this your life? Is that you? Is that a picture of what somebody's done to you? Remember that no matter what other people say to you, God says, you're mine. I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit. So when you've been betrayed, look up. When you're, when, you're, um, when you're confused, you're overwhelmed, 
and you can't even deal with all the homework that's been assigned, and you're already late in turning stuff in, and your parents don't know about it yet, so you're really concerned about that. When they find out you're overwhelmed, look up. Jesus is the one that brings chaos into order. He's the one that brings it under control. Look up. Look up when you're lonely. I find it incredible. You're connected more than any generation before. Like, you have access to other people more so than any generation has ever had. But it seems to me, and I've noticed, you seem to be the loneliest generation. You can have, you, you can have 50 other people in the room and still feel like you're totally 100% alone and by yourself. Remember that no matter whether your earthly father is involved in your life and whether other people seem to care about you, no matter how lonely you feel, you have a father who loves you and is involved in your life. He planned your life out before he created the world. So if you're lonely, look up. If you're comparing yourself to others, look up. God made you to be you. God knew who you are going to be before he made you, and he still made you, so guess what? God doesn't want you to be like that person. God doesn't want you to be like that girl on Instagram who gets 500 likes. God wants you to be you. He wants you to be the person he created you to be. You were planned by God before he hung the first star in the sky. So if you're comparing yourself to others, look up. If you failed, you screwed it up, look up. Remember, Jesus paid it all. That's what that blood was for that he shed. Look up. If you've given up, listen to the Holy Spirit. God's not done with you. He's leading you into more. God has never done talking to you. And finally, um, if you're lost, if you're lost, find hope in Jesus. I went too long. I'm sorry. We're going to go down to tag. We're going to get out of here. But I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I hope you realize that no matter what's going on in your life, God is doing incredible things if you just look up. So let's pray together. Now, Father, we love you so much. We don't deserve what you've done for us. But I pray, I pray that you'll make us aware of the reality of what you're doing in our lives. I pray um, for people here tonight that are struggling with whether or not they should go all in for you whether they should totally 100% throw their faith and their trust behind you. Um, God, I pray that through the words that we read from, from, from the Bible tonight, um, that you'll lead them to put their faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.